the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Today's guest, noted writer Irene O'Garden, grew up in what seemed like the perfect American Midwestern family. Behind the scenes, however, it was anything but. Irene joins us today to discuss her journey from cruelty, narcissism, and neglect to one of understanding and forgiveness. She teaches that it's never too late to heal from family damage and that being afraid is nothing to be afraid of. Irene has won or has been nominated for prizes in nearly every writing category. Her new book is Risking the Rapids, How My Wilderness Adventure Healed My Childhood. Welcome, Irene. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Joan. Uh, you are an inspiration to me. The uh, the things that you encourage in your listeners, the things that you encourage for all of us every day uh, are just nourishment for the soul. Thank you so much for saying that, because I know that you went through a journey of healing. And before we get to that, I want to start off with talking about your childhood. When you think back mm-hmm. over those years, how do you describe it? Well, uh, you know, I was brought up in the middle of the country, in the middle of the last century. And so I was smack in the middle of, of the country and the world. And it, and it just seemed like the attention was not there for that middle child. Uh, and kind of what happened was my father was a, a television personality locally in uh, Minneapolis. And my mother was a rather icy, uh, reserved woman who loved society events. And I was brought up in a large family. There were uh, six other siblings, uh, one of whom uh, was a rather merciless bully to me. Um, and we we were, there were rivers of martinis. There were, <laughs> there were all of those kinds of challenges. And yet there was some camaraderie, but there was a great deal of pain. And I, I grew up uh, overeating uh, with body and food image issues. And uh, my brother grew up with chronic pain. I had a couple of siblings who had trouble with alcoholism. So there was a, there was a portrait of what happens when there is emotional neglect. We weren't, you know, thrown up against the wall and there was always enough food, but there was this deep, there was this deep lack that took many years for me to begin to articulate and to heal from. Irene, you say that you started writing to explore the whys of your family and and you, by anyone's account, are an accomplished writer. So that was really at the source of, of all of the work that was to come. So what did you learn about your upbringing and your family dynamics? Well, what was interesting was that I sort of started it out like family CSI, you know, I want these answers. I'm a detective here and I want to find out why there was so much pain in, in our family. And yet as I began to write and as I began to explore, as I began to take into consideration my parents' personal journeys, uh, I found that in that reflection, uh, there was healing to be had there, though it didn't become completely active until I 
took this wilderness adventure uh, mm-hmm. when I discovered on uh, it was a, a float trip in the most remote part of the lower 48 states, uh, Montana's Bob Marshall Wilderness. And uh, I, I'm not a, a risk taker in general, or I wouldn't call my, or I don't do high risk activities. You know, I don't do skydiving and <laughs> rock climbing and <laughs> all of that. Cause I sort of feel like I want my life to pass before my eyes just that one time when it's supposed to at the very end. But, uh, but I have a brother who goes out into the wilderness every year and uh, he and my sister and a couple of uh, other relatives decided to take a wilderness trip with him kind of in honor of an older brother of ours who had died unexpectedly. And, uh, but we decided to kind of seek closure on, on this journey. And what happened was being in the wilderness and being in these unexpected situations uh, on the river, on the rapids, sticks coming at us and, and, and pelting hail and rain and all of that, I, I, I saw that it was a really good metaphor for our family lives. You know, we can never totally anticipate what's going to come at us in a family. Uh, it's, it's very unpredictable. Uh, certainly was in my house. And the thing about the wilderness is that you realize you can't get angry at it. You can't resent it for, for storming. You can't entertain it. You can't compete with it. You can't do any of the natural things that we so often do in response to the damage that we've suffered as children. You simply have to accept and and be in the present moment and move forward. So that journey was a very healing one for me because it, it spelled out physically a lot of what I had experienced emotionally. So when you went on this trip, you went on for a particular set of reasons. When did you start to become mindful of these lessons? Was it upon returning home and reflecting or while you were actually on the journey? Well, we hardly had time to think on the journey. <laughs> uh, you know, there was hardly any reflective time. There were a little at night around the campfire we could do a little bit, but, but it was such an ongoing challenge that I had to be in the present moment all the time. And, and, and yeah, I was with people I loved. I was with people who had experience in the wilderness, which is why I felt that this was a calculated risk I was willing to take. Uh, I would get to know them even more. We would bond even more strongly. And, and they have wilderness experience. However, uh, it, because it was a more challenging year than they had ever experienced, None of us could really do that kind of reflecting, but it was it was really on the plane on the way home from the journey, and my my muscles were just rubber, and but I, I I was sort of feeling free of something that I had carried with me for so long, and I began to reflect and and realize that I had left a lot of that pain back there in the wilderness. Um, so it really wasn't until I left and and came home and reflected and looked at some of the earlier writing that I'd done about my family situation. And I went, oh, my heavens, I, I, I can see why I'm feeling better now. <laughs> so from the time that you decided to go on this journey, given the fact that once you were there, you, you know, you were all in and you couldn't turn back and you just had to go for it <laughs> at that point. So what did you learn from that? What lesson did that teach you? Well, um, as I was sort of saying earlier, emotions like resentment and anger just aren't helpful. You can you can make a case for them, but they're not helpful. Even even fear isn't that helpful. It's not to say that you don't experience these things when when we are in um, a, a risky situation, but it's that we have to learn to let go of them uh, so they don't interfere with the business of surviving. You don't want to feel that those feelings about the people that you're with. You're all trying to pull together. You're all trying to get through the experience. It doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge pain uh, or that we have had less than we deserve. It just means that once we see that, we can let that go. And facing something that you were afraid of or something that it challenged you, there was a a little bit of danger to it. Does that bring (laughs) some type of, you know, as they say, spice to life? Did that really energize and invigorate you to to have some passion in life? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the gift. The gift of taking a risk. Well, there are a number of gifts, actually, I think, that that 
taking a risk brings for us. Uh, first of all, um, obviously, uh, it helps us recover from things. Right. It gives us, uh, once we commit to taking a risk, we have an instant elevation in our self-esteem, for one thing. And and it's actually a natural part of healing. You know, if, if we get cut, we don't, our skin doesn't go, oh, my gosh, we got cut. I, we better never grow that skin back. No, it, it immediately says, oh, uh, uh, we are equipped to heal, so the skin will heal itself. And that's, I believe, true of our psyches as well. So I, I don't mean to downplay how frightening some risk can be. Certainly, there were times where I, uh, we were afraid on this trip. But being afraid is really nothing to be afraid of. It's, right. It means you're pushing your envelope. You are putting our we're putting ourselves into a little discomfort, and that stretches who we are. Parts of this trip were just exhilarating. Uh, it, it was a tremendous privilege to be in these incredible mountains to see the the, the wilderness beauty and. You know, not every risk has to be gigantic for us to derive a sense of healing from it. I mean, for some people, you know, taking uh, taking time to have a conversation with a with a family member that they may have had some difficulty with that may be plenty risk enough. But having that time together doing an activity is a risk worth taking. And Irene, you hit on a a key point because what you did, I mean, this was done on a very grand scale, but any one of us, any day of our life can achieve the same rewards by just putting ourselves out there and getting out of our comfort zone. Exactly. And, you know, I I like to think of risk kind of as the tightrope that connects us with what we want. And, oh, gosh, it seems like, oh, my, if we're we're having to walk on a tightrope, oh, what do we do? But remember, of course, that people who want to learn to to, to walk the tightrope, and I have a friend who has done this, actually, so it was he who inspired me. At the age of 66, he decided he wanted to learn how to walk a tightrope. And, of course, you don't start out 100 feet in the air. Uh, You start out with a tightrope on the ground. So you get used to the feel of the rope and then it's raised up little by little, but you take each step and learn to feel comfortable in each step so that as we look and, and, and see, well, what, what is it I want that's at the other end of that tightrope? Maybe I want to be more comfortable with a family member, or maybe I just want to feel some pride in my body. Maybe I want to have a, a physical challenge, but we can take, there are all kinds of challenges that we can take, all kinds of risks. But I find that if you decide that you want to take a risk, there will be people there who are willing to help you. There are people all around us who have taken risks, who are willing to help guide us when we say, well, I'd like to, you know, I, I, I'd like to study this, but I don't know if I'm really capable of doing that. And you have a conversation with someone who, who is a learned person in that, in that way. Or you decide, ah, I need to get out more. I need to, I need to have a little bit more social activity in my life. How do I do that in a way that's not the phone, in a way that's not social media? How, how can I have a face-to-face conversation? Some people, that's a big risk. But if you start wanting to do that, you actually will find people who are willing to help you. And you know, Irene, as we get older, we tend to lose that wonder of life. I mean, if you think about your life all the way back to birth, everything that we have done and have achieved, we at one time did not know how to do it. We had to learn it, taking our first steps, <laughs> learning math, learning to read, um, driving a car, yes. all of these things. We didn't know how to do it, but you know, it was just, <laughs> we learned it and, and we went forward. And I think we lose that as we get older, we, we forget about that. Yes, I don't think we lose the capacity, but I think we forget that we have done it. We keep thinking, oh, every time we take a risk, it's a totally brand new thing. We all have lifetimes of right. risk behind us, you know. We've learned to ride a bike. Uh, many of us have born children. I think, you know, I have a, I have a little story to tell. Um, I, I was asked by a woman the other day. She stopped me at the health club, and she wanted to know what I was up to, so I told her a little bit about the book. And she said, oh, you're talking about risk, huh? I said, yeah. And she said, well, you know, my husband has been working at the same job for 35 years. He's 55. He does the job very well. 
and he has been compensated well. So he has a financial capacity to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to quit this job now and I'm going to go explore something else. She said, but he's, he's afraid to do that because um, he knows this job so well. He's a little bored there, but he knows this job so well uh, that he doesn't know. You know, he could wait another 10 years and, and do that. And I said, well, okay, so what happened if he waits another 10 years? And she said, well, uh, he's a little concerned that he might be uh, too old to enter the job market in, in, in another capacity. I said, yeah. And I said, isn't it possible, too? Some some companies try to edge older workers out so that they can promote younger workers. Well, yeah. So there's that chance that he might actually be um, asked to leave before he feels ready to leave. So I said, and this to me is the key to risk. I said, he is taking a risk right now. He is risking that when he if he if he takes no action, he is risking the capacity for him to grow and enjoy this whole new portion of his life. And when we look at that, we are all risking actually all the time. And to me, the secret of risk is for us to choose consciously the risks that we want to take. You know, you hear a story like this, and aren't we all kind of rooting for that guy to quit the job and then explore this other thing? Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I said, well, what is he interested in? She said, well, he's interested in real estate. I said, well, okay, so this is another thing we can do with risk. He, he could possibly begin to bridge that risk a little bit. He could lay the tightrope out, but not too high from the ground, in other words. He could take an online evening class about real estate while he's working. See if he likes it. Begin to test the waters a little bit and, and then begin to pave the way for what he really wants, which is a new experience, a new enlargement of his life, a new reflection of that happy, universal energy that is deep within us all that leads us forward in life. And that's such a great message because it's not always all or nothing. You can put your toe in the water. You can bridge it. You can make incremental steps to living the life that you want. And I just think too many people think they have to throw it all away and start new when, when what you just explained so eloquently is the way that we should be approaching it. Just remember that we are actually the, the drivers of this. And, you know, if there's a risk, Joan, that I would recommend that every listener take and that they can all take right now, wherever they are, is sitting as they listen. It is, it feels so often like a risk to trust our inner selves, to trust our impulses. And the truth is, once we start doing that, that we, once we take that basic step of saying, I can trust myself. I can trust. If I am led in a certain way, I can trust that. If I want to take a risk, I can trust that my inner self is going to guide me there. And and once we have that foundation, then we can begin to explore, even in the tiniest way, going to the library, getting a book about this, doing a Google search about the, the area that you might want to explore, having a conversation with a friend. This is all possible because we can trust ourselves. And if there's one choice I've ever made that has made the biggest difference in my ability to take a risk, it is saying that to myself and reminding myself of that, that I can trust my own impulses. And what somebody once asked me, why, why should we go back and heal our childhood wounds? which was a surprise to me. I'm like, well, huh, I never thought to ask that. And then I realized if we are still carrying what we perceive of as those painful childhood wounds, it makes us afraid to look inside of ourselves because we don't want to have to come up against that pain. So when that happens, and believe me, I did it for years. I compulsively overate. I did not want to look at the pain. But, of course, all that did was compound the pain. So when I finally went, let me look inside, let me forgive that child, let me forgive, let, let's look at that and let it go. Let's let it go. Once we begin to do that, then we get in touch with that incredible, powerful, universal, joyful energy that is our birthright as human beings. We are all meant to be as happy as healthy animals are. We need to begin to 
trust and resonate with that happiness that's there within us trying to emerge. The book is Risking the Rapids, How My Wilderness Adventure Healed My Childhood. If you would like to learn more about Irene and her work, you can visit ireneogarden.com. Irene, in our final moments, I mm-hmm. sometimes feel that people today, we seem so isolated. I mean, we're more connected than we ever were before, but so many people, I think, are more isolated than they ever were before. And we may be forgetting the importance of working together and collaboration. And and you went on this journey with a family that may have been in in a little crisis and who had experienced some trauma. And what did you learn during that journey with the obstacles that you encountered and whatever dangers may have been present? What did you learn about the importance of working together and collaborating rather than trying to go it alone? Boy, Joan, I can't recommend it highly enough, this idea of teamwork. And uh, this was a splendid journey. It was a terrifying journey on some levels. It was a traumatic journey on some other levels. But the teamwork that that we established while we were in those rafts, getting them in and out of the water, building a fire, trying to help somebody out of the river. This, with well-experienced and strong family members doing their best to assist and protect one another, this is, this is the human race at its best. And we're all dependent on one another. And, and as we work together, we learn that we can depend on each other and we can depend on ourselves. So um, I, I highly recommend, Doesn't again, it doesn't have to be a wilderness thing. Maybe you're just going to get together and, and build a picnic table together. Or maybe you're going to find uh, a, a journey through a museum together and try to articulate your experiences with one another. But that teamwork that happens uh, is so, so healing and necessary for us all. Irene, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing wonderful life lessons and for reminding us that it's never too late to heal and that being afraid is nothing to be afraid of. Promise me that you will keep writing and sharing your joy with all of us. And you are welcome to come back on this show anytime you'd like. Oh, bless your hearts. And thank you so much. It's been such a privilege to be here. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce stress and worry. Allison is here today to discuss trust. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. Allison, I find that people, after they suffer a heartbreak or they've been betrayed or they've gone through some type of a negative experience, they tend to worry about who they can trust. I know I do this. And that idea of who they can trust becomes the focus 
of how they move forward in their lives. What do you think about this focus on creating a life surrounded by trustworthy people? Well, I think it's important to figure out in our lives, in our relationships, who we can trust and who we can't trust. But there's an element here where I think a lot of us believe is that we have control, that we could be so cautious in life that we could prevent heartbreak. We can negotiate legal agreements that nobody's ever going to break and no one's ever going to screw us over in business. And we don't realize that when our focus becomes all about trusting other people, we're actually giving our power away. We're actually focusing so much on the world around us that we're forgetting that there's this element of self-trust that we can cultivate, that we could know no matter what happens in our lives, we're going to be okay. Because when we're so focused on who we can trust, we're living in fear. And we're living in this place that we're, we think we're going to control things. And when we rein it in and it becomes more about, I know I'll be okay. I know I'll figure it out. I can trust myself. Then we're going to be living life more from an authentic place. Because when it's always about the other person, we're never going to really pursue what we want in life. It's always going to be like, okay, I can do this because I can trust this person. And I can't do that because that person's not trustworthy. But when we bring it in and we make it about self-trust, we can think about what do I want to do in my life? Am I willing to take this risk? And I know no matter what happens, I could figure out my life. And then we live a more full, authentic life because the truth is there's heartbreak in life. And there are people that are going to give us our word and we're going to think we could trust them and they end up breaking their agreements. So we can't always worry about what other people are going to do because we can't control it. But we can control our own sense of self. So if we rein it in and make life about self-trust and knowing we will figure it out, we're going to end up in a better place. We're going to make better decisions. And I think overall we're going to manifest more because it's going to be about us and what we want for our lives. Allison, why do you think we do this? Why do you think we emphasize trusting others rather than self-trust? I think ultimately we're afraid of the unknown. We're so afraid that we're not going to be okay in life that we think that if we can control the outside world, then we're going to be okay internally. And I think as life goes on, though, I think you talk to people as they age, they'll tell you story after story of things they thought they could control, but they can't. Mm -hmm. So it's our need for certainty. And the minute we realize that the unknown is filled with possibilities, and if we trust ourselves and we know we'll be okay no matter what, the unknown becomes less relevant. We don't worry as much about uncertainty because we realize no matter what we choose and no matter what we do, if we have ourselves and we trust ourselves, we're going to be okay. And I always know that I bring up this idea of maybe, but it's true that the unknown has maybe in it, that no matter what we do, maybe we'll be okay. Maybe things will get better. Maybe we could accept what we're experiencing. And also, even when bad things happen, if we trust ourselves, we know deep within ourselves, we will figure it out. And then once again, there'll be more maybe and there'll be more possibilities. And if we just have that sense of self, no matter what happens, we'll always know we'll be okay. So it's about shifting away from this need for certainty and starting to see uncertainty as our best friend because we will have ourselves. And if we have ourselves, we'll always be okay. You're right, Allison, because so much of what we do in our life is governed by that need for certainty. So can you give us some tips that can help us start making self-trust more of a focus so that we don't end up limiting our lives? Of course. The first thing we have to do is we have to catch ourselves when we're deciding we're going to move forward with something. Am I thinking more about what the other person's going to say? what the other person's going to do, what other people are going to think, or am I really being truthful to myself? What do I really want in this situation? And as we move forward and we're thinking more that way, it's almost like we're, we're living life from a more contemplated, thoughtful place because when we're always thinking about other people, we're on defense. And when you're on defense, you're not really moving forward. You're just blocking other people from hurting you. So when you start thinking about it that way, you're going to have more of awareness of what's happening. And then you could also think about what peace here can I control? Yes, if you know somebody's a serial cheater, maybe you don't want to get involved with them. Yes, you should have good legal agreements moving forward. But beyond that, you know you can't control what other people are going to do. But we can control ourselves. And that part is to think of ourselves is how I can move forward. And if I trust myself, how do I move forward with my best life? And so when we start thinking of it that way, we're going to make it less about other people. And we're going to make it more about ourselves. And you know what's so interesting, too? If you think about it, from birth to death, we're going to have ourselves. 
right? We're going to be with ourselves. We're going to be the one person we're always with. So in a way, we have no choice. If we want to live our best life and we want to fulfill our destiny and we want to access all possibilities, there's only one person we can truly trust, and that's ourselves. And it's not that we're not going to make good relationships, and it's not that we can't trust people on the outside because we can. But again, when the focus is more about ourselves and more about self-trust, we're going to make better decisions. We're going to be less afraid to live, and we're going to access more possibilities and more peace within ourselves because we know no matter what, we will be okay. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Allison and her work, or if you would like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, alisoncarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. We'll be right back. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. <laughs> Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. According to a recent report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office, 48% of Americans age 55 and older have no money in either an IRA or 401k style account, and 29% have no pension or retirement savings accounts. Financial security and retirement requires that you will be able to live off your savings, investments, and Social Security benefits. But how many Americans are concerned that these retirement assets will not sufficiently cover their living expenses? And how can they bridge this retirement savings gap? Joining me today to discuss this growing problem and to offer actionable advice is award-winning personal finance journalist Jean Chatsky. Jean is a financial editor of NBC's Today Show. Her new book is Women with Money. Welcome, Jean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jean, let's start off by talking about this report. What did the report find regarding the retirement savings gap? So the folks at AARP conducted a survey and found about 60% of people believe they have a retirement savings gap. And just to define that, it basically means that when you combine your Social Security with your investments and your savings, you're not going to have enough to sustain the life that you want to live in retirement. More women feel that they've got a gap than men, but either way you look at it, it's a very large number and it means we need to take some steps to start closing that gap. So people recognize the fact that they had a gap. Were they concerned about this? Oh, completely concerned. Um, About half of all men are very worried about this and, and significantly more women. Jean, why do you believe so many people are not financially prepared for retirement? Well, if you ask them, they'll tell you that they just don't have enough money to save based on the money they earn, that unexpected expenses crop up and get in their way. But if you look historically at what's been going on, you know, over the last 25 years, we've transitioned from a system where many, many people had pensions to a system where we've got 401ks, we've got IRAs. We are responsible for saving for and investing for retirement ourselves. And with the number of people now who the growing number of people who are working for themselves who are freelancing a lot of people don't have those work-based retirement plans so they're at a loss to get started it, it's important to understand how much of the responsibility to do this is on us so because we are responsible for our own financial health what do you believe are some of the biggest mistakes we may make along the way again we say the biggest mistakes that we make according to this research is not starting soon enough. But that doesn't mean that you should not start at all. The the best day to start is today, and the way to do it is with automatic contributions into a retirement savings account. If you've got a 401k at work and you're not maxing out, you want to get yourself to the point where you are maxing out. If you don't have a 401k, then you want to open an IRA or a Roth IRA or a SEP IRA and start funding it every single month with automatic contributions because if you pay yourself first in this way, you're not going to spend that money and it will have an opportunity to grow for your retirement. 
And I think a lot of it is a mindset as well. I'm the product of depression babies, and my parents had a very different philosophy about money and saving. Do you think a lot of this is also because so many live outside of their means? Absolutely. I think we have gotten to the point where spending money is way too easy to do, and all of the technological innovations, Venmo, credit, debit, Amazon and one-click ordering, they've all made it very, very easy to spend. My philosophy has always been save first. You know, make sure that you're checking off that box, that you've got emergency savings, that you've got long-term savings. And then whatever's left, you can choose how to allocate that for your wants and for your needs. I think I'm a dinosaur, gene because I actually like the feel of money in my hands. I like to know what's going in and going out. And and as you said, when it's also digital, it's just too easy to let it go out. It it is. And there's a lot of research on this that shows that we spend much more quickly with credit and with debit and with Venmo than we do with cash. So if as adults, we're having our own issues financially, what then should we be doing to get our kids ready, to get them better prepared? Well, we should be having our kids save 10 to 15 percent of whatever it is they're bringing in Um, from the time that they're young until the time that they grow up. My my kids are just out of college and and they know this is what they have to do from the start of their working career all the way to the end of it. But it's also not too late to help ourselves. We've got some great tools at AARP. If you go to aceyourretirement.org, you will find a tool that will ask you a few very easy questions to answer and then give you a personalized plan to close your own retirement savings gap. You can also get a handle on your Social Security claiming strategy, which is very important for pretty much everybody by going to aarp.org slash social security. And I've got a new podcast that I developed with AARP where we took some real women and matched them with financial advisors to help them close their personal savings gaps. And you can find that at aarp.org slash closing the gap. Jean, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this advice. I mean, retirement really can be the best time of our life with just a little bit of planning. So thank you. My pleasure. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel so frazzled getting ready for vacation that you can't even relax once you leave? Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm, we help clients organize their lives as well as their homes. We specialize in serving young families and clients who are chronically disorganized. Here are a few helpful tips to get you on the road faster and with less stress. Plan ahead. Know where you're going, how you'll get there, and how long you can stay. Capture everything in a small notebook, a folder, or an app so it's all at your fingertips. Make sure your passport is up to date. Create a master packing list. Include toiletries, clothing and accessories, and commonly forgotten items. Keep the list with you when you travel so you come back with everything you brought. Expect the unexpected. Bring motion sickness medication. Pack essential toiletries and a change of clothes in your carry-on. Keep snacks on you and drink plenty of water. Tuck a few plastic bags into your suitcase. They're handy for wet bathing suits, items that can open in transit, containing pairs of shoes, and collecting laundry. For more organizing ideas that fit your life, call me. I'm Gail Gruenberg, and I can help bridge the gap between wanting to get organized and actually doing it. Call me at 201-364-6833 or visit my website at lgorganized.com. Do you have the leadership skills to effectively navigate your new job? Are you anxious about the first 90 days? Hi, I'm Amy Blumberg, an executive and leadership coach, but many of my clients call me the dot connector. If you are a striver that has started a new job, but quickly realized that the lack of proper onboarding, limited mentorship, and training has made your transition more challenging than expected, you might want to ask for help, but at your level, you're probably fearful of doing that. To ensure that you effectively thrive in the first 90 days in your new job, here are a few strategies to consider from my Building Dots program. One, start by making meaningful connections with peers and other key leaders in the organization. By collaborating and working together, you will build trust and credibility. Two, tackle challenges by removing the barriers that are stopping you from moving forward. Once these barriers are removed, 
you can clear a path to build momentum and deliver results you are proud of. Three, seek out mentors or coaching support to identify and deal with your fears and frustrations. This will help you boost confidence to perform at the level of confidence required. Once you take control of your destiny, you can lead with confidence to drive results. I can help you connect the dots because I've been a striver too. With one-on-one thoughtful direction, I can help you make the right strategic decisions to vault you from where you are currently to unlimited possibilities. For more details and contact information, go to amyblumbergcoaching.com. At Amy Blumberg Coaching, I connect people and possibilities. How much hydration is necessary for us to be perfectly healthy? And how does being pregnant affect our intake? I'm Dr. Michael Magwood, chiropractor specializing in prenatal and pediatric chiropractic care. The question is, why is water so important during pregnancy? First, dehydration affects a mom's hormones, so we want water to help create balance. Second, circulation, which is improved by hydration, can support egg health. My first tip, then, is consume 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning. And secondly, realize the value of your hydration that you're getting from your foods. Specialty foods like chia and cacti produce something in our body called gel water, which can be transmitted through our connective tissue. My final suggestion is to drink alkalized water. Studies have shown that water consumed at a pH of 8.5 is the most alkalizing source of water for the body. For answers to more of your questions about water, hydration, and hydration during pregnancy, feel free to reach out to our offices in Clifton, New Jersey, and in New York City at purebalancecenter.com. Do you want to change a habit you have been doing for a long time? Let me share some hypnosis tips to help you. Hi, I'm Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner in Oradell, New Jersey. Hypnosis is a great way to help you change a habit. Maybe there's a phrase that you keep repeating. It can be any habit you are trying to break. First, become more aware of when you do the habit. When you are aware of it, pause and check in with yourself to see if there is a trigger or emotional component making you do it. Awareness is key. Then work on pushing away the habit. Talk to it and tell it, I am strong and in control of me. Delete the thought or distract yourself so the moment passes. Keep repeating the steps as the habit fades and until you stop doing it. I'm Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner, and you can find more information about hypnosis at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. a functional and integrative medicine physician who practices anti-aging medicine, executive health, hormone replacement therapy, and weight management. She's the author of Vibrance for Life, How to Live Younger and Healthier. Dr. Maida is here today to discuss how to achieve weight loss that lasts. Welcome, Dr. Maida. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. So, Dr. Maida, this is certainly a topic that I think many people can relate to. So many people go on diets and then they just regain the weight and then they go on another diet and then they regain the weight. And we're on this roller coaster that, to be honest, is exhausting. Is there any way to stop this diet yo-yoing? Yes, there absolutely is. You can lose weight on any diet, but the deeper questions you should be asking is, will it leave you metabolically better or metabolically worse? Because if you address the root cause, such as stress, sleep, inflammation, toxins, food sensitivities, or metabolic conditions such as high blood sugar, insulin, cortisol, and other hormonal conditions such as high estrogen, low testosterone, and low progesterone, these things are always overlooked. 
because people think calories in, calories out, exercise more, eat less. But some of them don't address those issues. And if, it's just like baking a cake. If you leave out one ingredient, the cake is a flop. And many diets don't address the real key issue, which is the most important one, and that is your mindset. Because you eat because you're happy, you eat because you're sad, you eat because you're bored, you eat because you're stressed, you eat because you're tired, you eat because it's a habit. So they don't address the mindset and how much and how often you eat is a mindset. And they think if you just go on a diet, that's the be-all, end-all. But then if you go back to doing what you did before that led to the weight gain, you're right back on the diet roller coaster. You bring up some great points because as a lifelong dieter, I can tell you everything that you just discussed is something I never thought about. It was only calories. That's that's what we've been taught. It's what's ingrained in our mind. And that's what most of us consider. So what kind of diet will leave a person metabolically better and address the issues that you just talked about? Well, I like to talk about the most overlooked causes of weight gain, which are inflammation, food sensitivities that cause inflammation, toxins that cause inflammation, and the toxins can be in your food, your personal care products, your cleaning products, as well as the environment. So there are several ways to decrease inflammation. Certain foods are anti-inflammatory, and I call them fats that flow, such as fish, olives, avocado, nuts, seeds, and any of their oils. So increase those and limit or avoid inflammatory foods such as sugar, grains, foods that you have sensitivities to, and to decrease saturated fats such as meat, dairy, poultry, trans fats, hydrogenated oils. And Eating clean and organic as much as possible, I tell people to look at the website, the Environmental Working Group, because you don't need to get everything organic, but they'll list which foods are the most heavily laden with pesticides. And I keep a list of those products on my website. And you drink purified water, use non-toxic personal care and cleaning cleaning products. And anytime I look at a product or research a product or review a product, I just put it on my website so that people know it's been looked at. And I would do an elimination diet, eliminate, you know, the the foods that people are most likely to be sensitive to, take them out of your diet for two weeks and add them back in one at a time. Dr. Mehta, you mentioned mindset and that a diet is not one and done. What advice do you offer to help us make lasting change? Well, The way you eat, the way you live your life, it's a lifestyle. So don't think about when you want to make a change that it's a diet and one and done. Change is a process. First, you have to want to change. And one of the ways to do that is to find a really, really good reason for why you're doing it. And every time you're tempted to go for that cookie or the cake or the wine, go back and think about why you're doing this. And you need a big why. And make healthy eating a lifestyle. Don't put yourself in situations where you may eat badly. You know, being prepared and associating more with people who have healthy eating habits. Sometimes I go out with my girlfriends and we'll just have appetizers where we, we, and we'll, we'll skip the bread and we stay away from those, um, the parts of the parties that have, you know, all the greasy foods, the fried foods, the fatty foods. When I entertain now, I try to entertain with healthy food and people are very happy with that. Being mindful of what you eat, choosing what's on your plate, using portion control, eating slowly, savoring every bite so your brain knows it's been fed. If you eat too fast, you don't have any signals to say that you're full. But sometimes you need help. You need coaching. You need support. You need somebody to guide you through this. So seek somebody who has knowledge and expertise in all of the aspects we talked about. Or, you know, somebody that has a team of experts who can coordinate your care with compassion. Dr. Mita, thank you so much for being here with us. If you would like to learn more, or if you'd like to read about some of the resources Dr. Mita just mentioned, you can visit her website, howtoliveyounger.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Mita, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Lorraine. Disability insurance continues to be one of the most overlooked coverage options for many people. You insure your house, your car, your assets, but it's easy to forget what got you those things, your ability to earn an income. Hi, I'm Ed Gaelic, a life and health insurance broker and founder of PSI Consultants located in Glenrock, New Jersey. We have specialized in personal insurance and company-sponsored health benefits since 1985. I want to share a story with you about John and Jane Doe. While visiting their snowbird parents in Florida, Jane had some abdominal pain and noticed that her stomach was a bit bloated. 
Shortly after returning home, Jane had her annual woman's exam. She mentions the discomfort she experienced to her doctor and was assured that everything was fine. After several more days of not feeling normal, Jane gets a second opinion. Jane was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and immediately scheduled for extensive surgery. After recovering for about a month or so, it was time to make a plan for chemo treatment. Six cycles with three parts each. That's 18 more weeks without a paycheck. How will bills get paid? Will John's salary be enough? Will their savings account be drained? John's sister is in the insurance business, so he and Jane were well aware of the importance of being covered for any unforeseen circumstances. Their strategy was comprehensive and included protecting their income with personal disability policies. Proactive planning and wise insurance choices allowed John and Jane to concentrate on Jane's recovery and not worry about finances. The whole ordeal consumed six months of their lives, but John and Jane were prepared. Are you? To contact us and learn more, please visit our website, psi-consultants.com. Less than 2% of America's population volunteers to defend our nation. Though we rarely see them, we live the benefits of these heroes' sacrifices and the freedom we know and the safety we feel. Each and every day, the Gary Sinise Foundation serves our nation by honoring our defenders, veterans, first responders, and their families. We do this by creating and supporting unique programs designed to entertain, educate, inspire, strengthen, and build communities. The Gary Sinise Foundation has grown because the need has never been greater. Together, we'll improve the lives of thousands of American heroes and their families day in, day out, all year long. While we can never do enough to show our gratitude to our nation's defenders, our veterans, our first responders, and the families who stand by them, we can always do a little more. Join us. Visit GarySiniseFoundation.org. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.